All right, let's get started. My name is Rebecca. I'm with AARP's Elder Watch program, and this is the first in a four-part series on budgeting, and this is just going to be a very high-level overview of budgeting basics, and we're going to get deeper into all of these topics in the next three sessions. There's one Thursday, and then uh, one the next Tuesday, and the following Tuesday as well. Um, and I hope you'll be able to join us for those too. If not, they will be recorded and posted to YouTube um, for viewing at your convenience. So before we get started, AARP Elderwatch is a 20-year partnership with the Colorado Attorney General's Office. We do education and outreach just like this across Colorado. We also have a volunteer-staffed fraud victim support helpline and a peer-to-peer -peer financial counseling program. So if any of those would be of interest or need to you, please feel free to contact us at 800-222-4444, option number two. This is an interactive workshop, so please feel free to ask questions and take notes. I do have handouts of this presentation, various budgeting plans, and few further resources uh, you can feel free to use today and future, and you can find those on our website at aarpelderwatch.org. This is not financial advice, so please be sure to consult with a lawyer or a certified financial planner before making any final decisions. So before we get started on the budgeting aspects, we have to talk, of course, about inflation, because this has been hitting everyone quite hard over the past year, year and a half, and we are seeing some relief, but as some things get cheaper and more other things get more expensive, and it's kind of throwing budgeting into a little bit of turmoil. So the consumer price index, which is what measures consumer goods, has increased by 8.3% over the last 12 months. This is the highest it's been since September 2008. We all, of course, know what happened in September 2008, um, and we're hoping that it doesn't happen again. Prices of eggs, hotel rooms, event tickets, and healthcare continue to rise, but prices for things like cars, both new and used, and houses have decreased as interest rates have, of course, gotten higher. So inflation is slowing a little bit, but interest rates are high, making those larger purchases kind of more difficult to um, plan for and to actually make. The Federal Reserve is trying to keep recession at bay, so they keep hiking interest rates, uh, but they have slowed those hikes. They were they were pretty extensive hikes at the very beginning of all of this, and now they're, they're slowing a bit. They're still planning more hikes throughout the year, so this will continue to have an impact um, on any major purchases and also minor purchases. Things like eggs being $10 is... Um, kind of difficult when that used to be a kind of cheap staple to uh, to get and to use for food. Um, so keep a close eye on the stock market, market for homes and cars before making any big purchases, and then pay attention to those price increases from week to week. If you can shop in bulk, if you are able to go back to some couponing um, and find, um, find local suppliers of some of these things, that might be a way to try to curb uh, a lot of this inflation that continues to happen. So why budget? Budgeting helps us establish financial goals, both short and long term. It ensures that we are not spending money we don't have, helps us stay prepared for emergencies, 
helps us keep track of spending habits and modify any negative behaviors, and it prioritizes spending and saving, uh, specifically that saving aspect of all of this, um, making sure that there's money for emergencies, money for fun things, and money for large purchases as well. And budgeting is especially important now when prices are continuing to fluctuate, go up and down. We really want to have a solid handle on our, um, our, uh, um, our spending. So one of the biggest things with budgeting are keeping these wealth building principles in mind. And there's nine of these that I really like. Um, keeping track of these and following them helps us build wealth in the long term. So the first one is set clear financial goals, both short in the short and long term. We want to set clear financial goals that are attainable, that make sense for our lives. And then Saving, focusing on saving is number two. Save by paying yourself first from your paycheck. A lot of employers offer ways to save by directly depositing some of that money straight into a savings account. Um, you can split your paycheck multiple different ways to make that happen. Paying credit card balances in full each month is number three. This makes it so that you don't have high interest rates inflating that $75 grocery purchase from four years ago, so you're still paying it off. Um, spend less than you earn. Of course, this is easier said than done. A lot of us do try to um, live within our means, but a lot of people live outside of their means as well, and spending less than you earn can be difficult when doing that, but if you're paying your bills off, um, that is a good way to kind of mitigate the impact of spending more than you're actually earning. Participate in a retirement plan and follow that up by taking full advantage of any retirement plan matching that's available. Um, this will help increase your retirement savings exponentially. If you are uh, looking to um, retire soon, but you are still trying to save, look into catch-up periods on IRAs, look into whether you can get a higher match percentage from your employer. Those things are all potentials when looking for retirement. Um, pay off your home before retirement. This is huge. If you pay off your home before retirement, you not only have a huge asset if you need to tap into some income, you're also not making monthly payments for housing, which means that money can go to other things, hopefully like something fun you want to do, uh, a second home even, things like that. Be patient when investing for the long term. This is a huge one. So when we're investing, we really do want time to do a lot of the work for us. Over time, your money will increase if you keep it in an investment account. Um, there are constant ebbs and flows in the market. So just knowing that, you know, when you're investing for the long term, you do want to keep your money there, even if one is not looking too great, because the likelihood is that at the end of the day, you'll end up with more money than if you had pulled it out um, when things kind of took a downturn. And live every day knowing your financial future is under control. This gives you more confidence in making financial decisions as a whole as well. So calculating your net worth. 
there are two things that goes into calculating your net worth. And your net worth is basically how much money you have on hand after all of the things that you own and all of the things that you owe are taken into consideration. So assets are going to be monetary assets like cash, a tax refund, and then money owed to you by others. Tangible assets are going to be cars, motorcycles, boats, bikes, um, automobiles, things like that. House, condo, mobile home, those all belong in that category as well. Electronics, this is, you know, those big ticket purchases like personal property, jewelry, fur, tools, clothing, um, and then any other large uh, money items. These are all going to be tangible assets. This means that you can um, offload them for money if you need to. And then investment assets are going to be things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, gold, partnership, art, 401ks, IRAs, and the life insurance. And these are things that we usually keep and they mature over time to have the uh, largest impact at a later date. So we're not necessarily getting rid of them for liquid cash just like that. Um, it's usually, you know, you're trying to build up that wealth and then have it for the future. The other thing that goes into calculating net worth is liabilities. These are the things that you owe. So short-term liabilities can be loans, credit card balances, other open-ended credit obligations, unpaid professional services like doctor's bills, uh, hairdresser bills, whatever it may be, unpaid taxes, and then past due rent. And long-term liabilities are going to be automobile loans, real estate mortgages, student loans, home equity loans, and other outstanding loans. And if you have more liabilities, more things that you owe than more assets, you are technically considered insolvent. That means that you do not have as much money as you have spent. Um, and, you know, that, that's like a big word to just mean that uh, saving and paying off some of these liabilities is probably a good thing to do in your future. Don't worry too much about one in five American adults are insolvent and this increases exponentially when looking at young adults because they have lots of debt from school, first houses, things like that. So calculating your net worth is going to be taking your assets and then subtracting them from your liabilities. And that's gonna give you a full financial picture of how much money you're bringing in and how much money is going out each month. And this is a really great place to start with your budgeting. If you can go through and actually make a list of all of these things, how much they actually uh, cost or um, how much they're worth, that is going to help as well in coming up with that full financial picture um, outside of just, <clears throat> excuse me, just the number of your net worth, um, bringing it down a little bit more into what you owe, what you own is um, very helpful. So um, there are multiple different ways to budget. And again, we are going to get into all of this significantly more in the next few sessions. So please, please join us for those. I guess I'm going over, you know, very high level overview of what it looks like to calculate that net worth, and then what it looks like to pick a type of budget to uh, put all of your money into and follow. So there's four basically main uh, budgeting 
structures that are the most common for a lot of, lots of folks. And the first one is the envelope method. And this is actually a cash-based approach that uses categories and spending limits for the week or month. Um, there are digital ways to do this as well, but um, some people will go to the ATM at the beginning of the week or the beginning of the month. They'll take out all of the cash that they need for their whatever the time frame is. And then that is what they have to spend for that month. And then it's called the envelope method because all of the cash is put in envelopes with the category names on them. The receipt method, um, I've been doing this to kick off the new year, collecting all your receipts for one month to set budget amounts for each category, and then adjust a baseline amounts for what fits your situation. And then you collect all of your receipts again to make sure you're actually hitting your spending goals. So this is about a three month process in total because you collect all of your receipts that first month, you analyze what your spending looks like, um, where you want your spending to increase and decrease. Um, and then you adjust that the next month. You say, okay, I'm gonna spend exactly this amount of money. Um, and then you try to hit that goal. And if you're unsuccessful in hitting that goal, you reevaluate for the next month by collecting all of your receipts again, and then adjusting further. So the 53-20% method is, it's changing a little bit because there's pretty much um, no way that that 50% can cover necessities uh, for most people at this point. So um, there are some new ideas as to what those numbers should be. We're going to talk about those in a later session, but around 50% is allocated to necessities, 30% allocated to wants, and then 20% goes to debt repayment and savings. People really like this method. It's fairly simple, um, but actually hitting those percentages can be fairly difficult. And then the last one is the zero-based budget plan. And I do know people that use this. I think it's a little crazy, um, but it takes your monthly income as a baseline. And then each dollar is spent with intention behind it until there's zero dollars left. So that a lot of times does include uh, allocating money to savings and debt repayment, but um, it can just be all wants and necessities. So that's, that's where it gets a little risky. Um, you have to be really, really um, kind of confident in your ability to not overspend when using that zero-based budgeting model, um, but it can be very, very useful for some people. There are, you can budget anytime. You can budget anytime. Um, these are just a few ways to plan out your budgeting. Um, taking a combination of some of these might be the best way to go, right? I budget from paycheck to paycheck, but also monthly. And then I have an extra long-term budget that is just for those more, um, more expensive long-term costs that I will incur eventually. So paycheck to paycheck, it uses your payday as the timeline for your budget. So when your pay comes in, the cycle starts over. I use a combination of this and the monthly one because my paycheck is bi-weekly. So I'm able to kind of split between, okay, the first two weeks of the month and the last two weeks of the month, and then look at the full picture of the entire 30, 31 day period. Um, and that works really well for me. Weekly, some people do a weekly budget and this can be really good for 
keeping a very close track of what your costs are and what, what you're spending your money on. Um, so it's budgeting for the expenses that you anticipate having to cover in the next week. You can pick any any day at all for your week to start, but plan a day or so before uh, for what your budget is going to look like for the week. Monthly uses expenses from the previous month as a baseline, and then planning your expenses for the upcoming month with those numbers, and then how you anticipate reaching savings goals. Um, putting this all into an Excel spreadsheet and then having Excel do some of those calculations for you can be really effective and an easy way to have a budget in place. And then long-term budgeting, you probably want a short-term budget and a long-term budget going hand in hand. Um, long-term budgets are one to 10 years in the future and they include big purchasing decisions and long-term debt management. Make the most of your savings by first deciding where you want to save, a bank, credit union, a Rostra, an investment fund, et cetera, a mixture of these, and then create a goal or multiple goals to work toward that are specific, accessible, and time bound. So you want something that you are able to achieve, um, is very specific in exactly what you want or need, and also has a deadline. Deadlines help us meet our goals in a reasonable fashion. Um, and then decide how much you want to save and how often. Do you want to save $500 once a month? Do you want to save $200 every other week? Do you want to save uh, $10 a day? Decide how much you want to save and how often, and then assess the obstacles that might stand in the way of achieving that goal. And there might be a fair amount of obstacles. It is difficult to save money in a lot of cases, especially now with rising costs and a lot of different goods and services. Um, but assessing the obstacles and actually making a list in front that you can you know, look at in front of you um, can be really important in achieving financial goals. Finally, you're gonna determine what steps you need to take to achieve your goal and how long each step will take to complete. And then you are good to begin or continue saving with a really robust plan for not only how you're going to save, but what you're going to do with that money when you've reached your goal. There are tons of ways to budget online. We talked about some of the ways that you can budget uh, both online and just on paper, but these are specific websites, apps, and spreadsheets that help with online budgeting. Um, some of the most popular websites for budgeting are NerdWallet, You Need a Budget, and Duxfer. Um, some of these will give you personalized recommendations on how to save money. Some of them will give you various financial products that might make the most sense for you. Some of them will even tell you how to improve your savings and analyze what your costs are from month to month and tell you exactly where to cut some of those costs. And it's the same with these apps. So Mint is really, really popular. Um, they do have a few uh, security issues. So be sure to look into that before signing up for their services. A lot of bank branches and credit unions actually already have um, apps in place that you can take advantage of. And then PocketGuard is another app that um, takes all of your finances, all of your accounts, and puts them in one place for analysis on your phone or on a tablet. 
And then, like I mentioned before, Excel, great tool for budgeting. So is Google Drive if you don't want to pay for Microsoft. Um, their services are free. So take a look at one of these, do some research into other budgeting tools online. This might be a great way to go, especially if you are fairly tech savvy. So budgeting with loved ones can be really, really important. Um, try to discuss financial care open, openly with your loved ones and long before it's necessary. Be upfront about your full financial picture, income stats and expenses. The last thing that your family wants to find out is that you are, or friends or any of your loved ones want to find out is that you are hiding debt from them. Um, find a platform that will work for all of the relevant parties that are collaborating on financial care to uh, do budgeting, savings, and other aspects of financial management. And then create a budget that reflects the contributions that all parties involved can make. So this can look very, very different from one person to the next. Um, I do have an entire presentation just on this alone. So if that's something that you're interested in, I can get you that information, no problem. So just a few resources before we go. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has a great budgeting website with tons of different tools. AARP Money has an entire website dedicated to savings, spending, retirement savings, calculating how much you'll need for retirement, et cetera. It's really extensive. It's amazing. Um, and that's aarp.org backslash money. Give us a call at AARP Elder Watch at 800-222-4444, option number two. We not only have expertise on frauds and scams, we also are able to assist with creating and sticking to that budget. And then Stop Fraud Colorado, those are our partners at the Attorney General's office, and they have tons of resources on frauds and scams in Colorado and beyond to watch out for, to protect yourself from, and you can find that at stopfraudcolorado.gov. Before we head out for the day, I just want to make sure that there aren't any questions. I don't see anything in the chat, um, and I would be thrilled if uh, y'all can join us for the next few sessions on budgeting for the new year. Thanks so much for your time today.